gives me great pleasure to welcome to everyone Season 1, Episode 1 of our Superior Sales Disruption Podcast. It will be an amazing deep dive into some of our industry icon stories and the disruptive crossroads they may have faced in their career paths. My name is Jamie Labina, and for today's opening, I'm joined by my partner in crime, uh, Mr. Mark Trulson. How are you today from Melbourne, Mark? I'm absolutely fantastic, mate. It's not sunny like it always is in Sydney, but uh, it's a bit gloomy, but uh, absolutely pumped up to do today's kickoff to the Disruption Podcast. And, um, you know, uh, I guess let's bring to the listeners uh, why, why we're, um, you know, we're going to go into a bit more detail, but uh, why, why a podcast is something that's hit our radar. Well, I think uh, podcast is, is the way that, you know, information and knowledge is transferred these days. I think, you know, not everybody has, you know, a lot of time to read and podcast seems to be something that you can do, whether you're at the gym, whether you're on a walk, whether you're in between meetings. And I, I think it's just a great way to engage an audience to the disruptions of some of the, the best uh, salespeople in our industry. And it also is really a bit of a stem off um, from our uh, blog that we've been uh, we've been putting and posting uh, every Friday for the last uh, for the last twelve months. Um, our um, SuperiorSales.com uh, blog, which uh, has covered a range of topics uh, on a Friday morning, has had a, a, a massive increase of, uh, of subscription. And certainly, if you're not receiving that, you're welcome to uh, subscribe via our uh, website at uh, SuperiorSales.com. Uh, .au, um, whereby um, it gives a lot of insight into a lot of the sales training practices, uh, a lot of the you know challenges of sales and marketing, uh, how they joined at the hip, and uh, and it was through that that uh, we've been given certainly some insight that uh, uh, our listeners will really would love to hear some of the you know some of our icons in the industry and uh, and some of their journeys, uh, definitely their you know their their stories on how they've um, climbed the, the corporate ladders to, to achieve the, you know, the heights that they've gotten to within, um, within the FMCG industry. So, um, yep, yeah, it, it is exciting to be able to bring this together and, um, and today's day one for that. So, um, yeah, it's uh, Mark, um, any, any sort of insights you want to share with the, the listeners before we jump in? I just, uh, I mean, I mean, what I'm really looking forward to is just hearing some of the stories from these um, industry uh, experts and, and, you know, because I know you and I have learnt a lot from just speaking to them and listening to them. So, but, you know, more than anything, I'm, uh, I'm wanting the listeners to understand more about you, mate, because uh, we've known each other for 25 years. Uh, so we've had a lot of fun along the way, but I've certainly learnt a lot from you. Um, your energy is absolutely contagious. Um, but more than anything, I think it's your resilience uh, what you've gone through, you know, from your early childhood uh, all the way through, you've had uh, obstacles to overcome and you've done it each time. So I think those sort of stories are going to resonate just as much uh, as, you know, the, the ones that we're going to get from, you know, sales directors and CEOs. Uh, thanks for that. I, um, I, I'm sure that um, we will be able to embark on some of those stories uh, at different stages and down the track, but uh, um, it has been a very disruptive journey. Uh, I think that's a great word for certainly um, um, my, uh, my upbringing, definitely uh, my, my intro into the, uh, into the FMCG industry. So, uh, and, I, and I mean, Mark, 
you know, we've worked together, uh, met each other 25 years ago. We'll go into how we met and, and a bit of our background, you know, as we get into this podcast introduction. And, um, you know, but I, mate, I, I, the, to the listeners who haven't had the opportunity to, to see Mark. Mark is an amazing presenter. Uh, he's an amazing motivator. And, uh, you know, just he's, you know, I've done a number of workshops with Mark uh, through, you know, what we were currently providing to our to our clients. And also I've had Mark uh, attend a number of our um, national conferences that I ran at uh, Superior Salesforce uh, for a number of years. And, uh, you know, he just can hold the audience at the, with the palm of his hand. And um, he's, you know, he's an amazingly charismatic person, but uh, very inspiring and very motivating. And I think one of the core ingredients for Mark is, uh, is the whole, um, you know, um, you know, getting back up uh, when you get knocked down, getting back up. And uh, you certainly have demonstrated that being a single father and uh, of three amazing children, which, uh, you know, you've pretty much brought up on your own and uh, very proud of what you've been able to do there and, and to watch them grow and, and, and become young uh, young adults. So, you know, well done to you, mate. And, uh, uh, yeah, that might be enough patting on the back, I think you were saying before. So. <laughs> a lot of, lot of mutual love, too much mutual love there, mate. That's all right. That's good. So I guess that's what got us here today and hopefully we can share that with the listeners moving forward. So uh, um, look, our, our podcast will be done obviously uh, remotely. Uh, we'll be interviewing uh, and uh, a number of guests uh, as, we, as we move forward into, um, into, our, into our season one. Uh, Mark will be uh, 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 remotely uh, um, coming in via um, onto our podcast and and or myself uh, if if the interviews are down in Melbourne and uh, yeah it's, it just gives it a little bit more uh, spice to it and and uh, and again with mine and Mark's background uh, from a sales marketing uh, forte it allows us to really unravel some of the stories for uh, some of these industry champions that we're going to be uh, bringing to you in the next uh, in the in season one so um, Mark. Um, yeah, I think crack on. We'll, uh, what, do you, what are the main things we're going to be covering, mate? Well, in, in terms of um, the series, um, we're going to be you know, listening. I, I, what I think is a really enviable list of you know, people in the industry who have made a big difference. Um, we're going to be interviewing them in terms of uh, how they've led disruption in their, in their workplace, how they've built teams that have transformed the industry. And how they've also gone in their sort of personal disruption journey themselves. So I think those backstories um, are going to be really valuable for our listeners to sort of get a gauge of, you know, how they can overcome obstacles, how they can see challenges and find a solution and how they can build teams that can transform uh, the marketplace. And, and I think that was the inspiring thing. So um, um, Mark, um, Mark's an avid listener of podcasts. It was amazing how when we, uh, when we brought this, uh, this has been a long time in the making, uh, bringing, bringing to you the Superior Disruption podcast. But uh, um, I haven't listened to too many, to be quite honest. Uh, done a lot of research <laughs> into podcasts. I've done a lot of research into who listens to podcasts, which is why you know, we really feel that there's uh, uh, an important uh, story. Um, you know, this younger generation, this 25, 35, 
40-year-old bracket. They're, they're constantly uh, um, constantly listening to podcasts. Um, and, you know, there is, you know, to hear a voice in our industry, um, um, there isn't one yet. And, and I just think it'll be great to hear uh, some of um, our, our industry uh, experts and uh, some of the, the guests that we're going to have bring to you, which uh, leads me to to talk through some of the guests and, 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 and Mark, uh, a few of the guests that we're bringing to, to the to the uh, listeners over the next uh, 13 weeks. Yeah, look, I, look, I can't wait. I mean, it, we've just been wrapped with the response that we've got. You know, sometimes it's a little bit scary when you, you, you put out the feelers to see who's going to respond. But, you know, by and large, everybody's been really excited to join us on this journey. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to hearing stories from, you know, James Lane, who was, you know, the former sales director from, you know, CCA, Coca-Cola, Amatol. You know, Mark Powell being, you know, from my former industry in alcohol, the sales director from Lion. You know, John Donlan, the CEO from Pharmacare. And if, you know, metaphorically, if disruption is all about breaking through the glass ceiling. You know, we've got a number of brilliant, you know, women on our podcast, you know, headlined, uh, you know, starting with Caroline Waite, the sales director of Impulse of Fruit Corps. So um, really looking forward to hearing what they say and what stories that they've had in terms of disruption. Yeah, definitely um, two that stand out. I mean, everyone's going to be a standout, but uh, Caroline is an amazing, uh, amazing individual. She's really championed the uh, uh, the women's lead uh, in you know in 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 leadership in in sales and marketing within the FMCG industry. Uh, she's been very uh, very dominant and 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 certainly been um, you know part of the Axe board and uh, as. Um, really brought that to the forefront, and I think it can only have bettered our. You know, it certainly you know, improved our industry because uh, you know if I go back, um, not that I'll call us to to dinosaurs, Mark, but uh, certainly um, <laughs> we're not that old, mate. Day, we're not that old. No, no, but I do remember back in the day when I started at eighteen as a as a Arnott's uh, Arnott's uh, cash van uh, snack food driver. Um, at 18 years of age, I think the uh, you know out of 35 van drivers in Sydney, the youngest van driver was 42. So you know there was uh, something like a, a over 20 year uh, gap difference, and it was a very male dominated uh, male dominated industry, the uh, the old route and petrol convenience space, and and even for that matter, even grocery to some degree back then. So you know it's it's champions like Caroline that have led the way to to bring a different set of eyes and and bring a female touch to to our industry which has certainly been really well needed because you know they're some of our best uh, sales reps account managers and uh, you know senior leaders now um, moving forward into you know 2000 and you know 2020 and above so and and John Donlan um, you know it's the CEO of Pharmacare he's been on that been with that organization for many years uh, one I'd love to hear uh, the story and certainly a little bit of the backstory from Toby who started uh, Pharmacare uh, over 40 years ago um, as a privately owned business so um, we do have some amazing guests we do have some uh, owner operators they may not be the um, the same sort of uh, heritage and you know 20 year plus uh, industry uh, uh, credibility but certainly young up-and-comers uh, that have started their own businesses started their own journeys uh, which is major disruption and certainly some of the categories that they uh, are now in and, and we're looking forward to bring some bringing to you some of the uh, the owners of their own brands and and their journeys and and uh, their disruptive challenges that they've had to uh, overcome and and uh, to get their uh, products uh, on the map. So um, yeah, we do have an exciting array of people to bring uh, bring forward. 
Very pumped, Jamie. And, and what are you what are you looking to, to sort of get from you know either these you know up and comer uh, or you know sales directors and CEOs? What what are you looking to seek to get from them? Well, mate, I, I really feel that it's you know, and I, I love the story. I love the backstory. I mean, we uh, again, uh, I think um, uh, it'll come out in a number of our podcasts. But uh, Mark and I are an, uh, extremely uh, um, large supporters and, and crazy supporters of the 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 magnificent Bruce Springsteen and uh, uh, followed him <laughs> uh, followed him all around Australia. You can give a bit more back to that, but. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll let you talk about our Bruce stories a little bit later, but uh, Bruce's amazing uh, ability to do storytelling is what I'm really looking forward to uh, bringing um, and extracting some from some of our industry icons. So wanting to understand their, you know, their backstory, where they came from, um, you know, what were the what were the decisions that they made that were the right and wrong ones? So it's not just going to be all about you know strawberries and ice cream and you know and, fl- and fairy floss. It's it's about you know what are the challenges that they had? What were the decisions that they made that they look back on that may have been the wrong decision or may in hindsight uh, at the time felt like it was a wrong decision, but really was one of their best decisions in their career path. Who were their mentors? Again, mentors is a is an amazing part of all our journey, and I'm, you know, I'm proud enough that I'm, I'm certainly sure I've had a, a number, and most people that get to the heights of, uh, you know, corporate industry, whether that be owner operators, whether that be in the, you know, in the in the corporate space in FMCG or outside, they've all had, you know, mentors. So I want to hear, you know, how those mentors shaped those people, and and uh, and where they are now, and what what were some of the disruptive. Uh, programs, uh, techniques, uh, sales training, you know, um, um, modules that they've put through, put their teams through, what they did to disrupt their teams. So that's really uh, some of the stuff that I, I'm looking forward to hearing, Mark. And, and I think from that, you know, whether you're a CEO or whether you're a sales director, I think we all learn from, you know, peer-to-peer environments. So I think, you know, you could be a sales director, you're still going to learn a lot from hearing from people like Mark Powell and James Lane, you know, what made them successful? What are the things I could learn from that to make me even more successful? But even more so, you know, the up-and-comers that we're saying is that, you know, the, those who've got aspiration for high leadership, you know, what better way to learn from, you know, the people who have done it fantastically over the past? So I think that's all going to come together. And uh, uh, I know I'm very excited for it. And I'm sure everybody out there is going to learn a lot. Yeah, and I mean, we'll talk through a little bit. Um, our podcast is going to be uh, in season one. We uh, we will have thirteen uh, thirteen inspiring interviews of, of again industry uh, icons, leaders, uh, innovators. Um, so uh, that will um, that's something that we'll be bringing to you, obviously, over the next thirteen weeks. Um, and. I think um, certainly anyone, uh, we're, we're really open to some feedback, uh, anything you want to hear from, anything that you feel could, uh, you know, or anyone that you feel uh, from your organisations you'd love to hear from, we're happy to, to certainly approach them and, and bring them to you, uh, certainly if not in season one, but certainly uh, in season two. Uh, I'm going to throw a bit, bit back to you, Mark, on the uh, on the boss, Bruce Springsteen. Uh, you want to give the listeners a bit of an insight into our craziness in terms of uh, our support. When was our first concert together? No, so, I mean, that goes all back to Eddie had, which is probably one that we're mentioning publicly for the first time because we told our 
uh, respective wives uh, that we weren't going, but we ended up going uh, at that at that time uh, at Eddie Haddon. That was the first time we'd seen him. But but look, we'd we'd loved him from the uh, mid to early eighties, and I think the thing that resonates most with us is that you know he understands those who've been disrupted in their life, you know what they've gone through, their their troubles, and their and he helps people get through those troubling times. But he also leads a really clear path to transformation, which I think for for everybody out there, you know, that's what we're all seeking. You know, for the mathematicians out there, he has a great formula, you know, one plus one equals three. And, and I think all of us can take that on. And, and for him, one plus one equals three is, is all about just doing a little bit extra, going the extra mile, working with a team, that the sum of us is more important than just the individual. And I think if you go to any of his concerts, you, you get a sense of that. You know, everybody out there who follows concerts know that nearly 99% of performers you know, have the, the same set list every concert. He mixes up every set list because he wants the engagement to be that every concert. He knows there are people like us, tragics like us, who go to different concerts. So, you know, the five concerts we went to in Australia that in one tour that he did, he did 90 different songs, which is absolutely remarkable. But he also understands it's not just about him. You know, he makes sure that the E Street Band, his backing band that he's had since the early 70s, have a hero status themselves. So I think there's lots of things we can take from that. And, you know, it's all about his personal disruption journey, but it's also the transformation that he hopes that he can impact on others. So, you know, if we can bring a little bit of that spirit in the night, Jamie, um, I think uh, we'll be doing okay. Yeah, and uh, just to finish off, um, most of the listeners wouldn't have known, but uh, Bruce has just finished an, a 14-month um, Broadway show, uh, which basically um, was a massive disruption in his uh, career and his in his life. He, he certainly has been very vocal about uh, it's the first uh, nine-to-five job he's actually ever ha- held in his life, where uh, uh, basically uh, for four or five nights uh, a week uh, on Broadway, he played... Uh, uh, basically an acoustic solo uh, show. Um, it was a story about his life and it was a storytelling of his life where he talked through the disruptive moments. And what was really resonated for me is the, you know, when you're, when you're in a group or when you're in a band, um, you, know, you can hide if things don't go well. Uh, or go wrong. Whereas when uh, literally you, a guitar and a chair, uh, a stool are, are on and a spotlight are on you uh, for two and a half, three hours, uh, there's nowhere to hide. And uh, I think that's one of the things that, uh, you know, we want to be able to um, bring to the listeners is, you know, in, in, you know, in some of the people we're going to be speaking to, what were some of the very important uh, disruptive challenges that they went through where, you know, there was nowhere to hide. So uh, excellent. Uh, and, I, and I think today, yeah, and I think today is going to be a little bit different to normal uh, because we're sort of basically interviewing ourselves. You know, I won't go into the fact that you, you know, you bumped into Bruce a couple of times in that New York trip that you had, but uh, what I'd love the listeners to, to get an understanding is, Basically, what we're going to be doing with other guests is sort of getting their backstory. So where did it all start for you, Jamie? My first intro into, uh, I started, um, actually, when I left school, I, I was given an opportunity to have a scholarship uh, with Qantas, uh, Qantas Airways as a grand engineer. Uh, I was also playing um, uh, Jersey Flag or under 21s for St George uh, St George Rugby League at the time, and uh, 
basically shift work and, and being on a tarmat at six o'clock in the morning. And um, yeah, look, uh, I enjoyed the uh, enjoyed the experience. But six months into that journey, um, uh, I actually left my I left my my scholarship and I sat down with my grandfather at the time, who was very much a disruptor in in my life and and certainly a, a mentor in my life. And um, my grandfather got me an opportunity. He said, "Look, yeah, I can get." He was he ran a number of cafeterias throughout Sydney back in the eighties and uh, was Coca Cola's number one customer for about five years uh, in Australia. And um, he, he, I said, Pop, you know, I, I want to be a sales rep. And he said, well, where... I'll have a look. I'll have a chat with some people. And he came back to me about three days later and said, look, I can get you a job with Coca-Cola. That's a cadetship. Uh, you get a company car um, and, you, you know, you're working for Coke. Or I can get you a job um, over at Arnott Snack Foods uh, as, a, as a van driver. Uh, you'd be driving a big chip truck and, and selling potato chips, uh, you know, out the back of the van. And I said, oh, you know, pop, what, what, you know, which one do you reckon would be the easier one? He said, oh, by far, Coke, you know, that's the one, you know, I, you know that's the one I think, you know, is the one that you really, you know, it's going to be the easier one for you to, to get into. And I said, well, you know what, can you do me a favour, pick the phone up and uh, can you ring the uh, Arnott's manager and see if you can get me a, a gig there? And he, he looked at me and said, you just, you just really like to take the hard way in life, don't you? And I said, well, you know what, if there's ever a... <laughs> If there's ever a way to make it, then uh, let's have a crack. And he did. He rang a very good mate of his at the time, uh, Peter White. Uh, Peter uh, went against the grain again, being very disruptive. Uh, cash van, you know, back in back in 19, 1990 uh, in the snack industry, uh, you know, we had thirty five odd cash vans, and I think the youngest van driver uh, again was about forty. 42 years of age so um, um, it was very disruptive of him to bring on an 18 and 18 and a half year old at the time uh, to and that was my entry into into uh, the FMCG industry mate driving a, a snack van for Arnott Snack Foods that later became part of uh, the Frito-Lay uh, PepsiCo world and um, so I started at, at 18, 19 um, by 21, I was a bit of a, 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 an account manager uh, and can, head canvasser. So I was out there cold calling every day, uh, picking up uh, new business um, and new channels. Um, at 22, I was a wholesale account manager, which uh, was a, an, an amazing time to, you know, to deal with all the wholesalers, um, particularly to see the transformation they've gone through. Um, you know, from um, you know your Bruce Pateries, and you know back then there was you know a, a range of all these. Uh, Harry Capanopoulos's and uh, a whole range of uh, different wholesalers where, you know, they've all merged. The industry's changed. And now the, you know, the distributor group headed by uh, big George Saputis, who uh, I worked with back at the van days. Uh, I've got a story about uh, one of the cash vans with George. Uh, I'll share with you offline one day. But uh, um, yeah, look, it was an amazing, it really taught me the ground roots, Mark. It taught me uh, cold calling, taught me, taught me selling. And I was taught by some of the best at the time. So, so, um, you know, it was a great experience. What about yourself, mate? Where did you start? Well, I just just to, to provide that bridge, what, what I loved about hearing what you just said is that even at a young age, you knew that you had to take some risks. and But you also played to your distinctive strengths, which are two really key components of personal disruption. So, you know, you've always been someone who takes a hard road because that's what you enjoy. You like being in the trenches. So to hear that you started that way is no surprise to me seeing your journey over the last 25 years, but probably similar to yourself. I, I didn't start driving a van, but I definitely ha helped people uh, who uh, drove vans at the time. Uh, I finished a, a marketing degree uh, 
uh, which which I loved. I started doing accounting, which I hated. No, I'm not a real left brain sort of thinker, but that right brain aspect of marketing got me into a place that I sort of thought, okay, marketing's my future. But I was told by a really wise man, his name's Alan Marion, uh, who said, look, you know, if you want to make it in marketing, you should start selling on the streets and being a sales executive. And that's the best way for you to understand the marketing components. Um, so he sort of said, look, you know, I've got a, a role at the original juice company. Um, and I sort of jumped at that. What I loved there was, you know, it was original juice company owned by an old Greek man called Nick Thyssen. You know, he was the one who started years ago a, a, a juice brand called Patra that he sold. He later sold to an American conglomerate for lots of money. He was told he had to go and garden leave for about five years. Um, what he found was, that, you know, he'd, he'd start up another business called Ready Cut Foods for you know, fresh foods. He then found five years later that no one was doing fresh juice because the Americans had turned it into a concentrate. So basically, he reinvented fresh juice again, calling it the original juice company. When I got the call, they had four cash vans in Melbourne. And the aim for me was to pick up 10 new customers a day. When, when you're 21, you sort of think that's really easy. Um, what I found out, you know, to get 10 new customers a day, I had to approach you know, at least 40 customers to get that number up. Uh, it's remarkable at the time, you know, I was naive and thought that was really easy. If somebody asked me to get 10 new customers today, I'd probably freak at that, uh, the, the thought of that. But what it did teach me was, again, that resilience out in the street. Um, and, you know, by the end of that first year, there was uh, 53 cash vans on the road, which, you know, a remarkable growth for original juice company. And because of that growth, I got lots of opportunities to become, uh, you know, not only selling on the street, but then becoming a national account manager over the next few years, you know, looking after petrol convenience and, and the grocery channel. So I think yeah, that's where yeah. our paths cross, mate, when we both uh, got to Spring Valley. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, the the old cold calling uh, numbers game. I, I, I think obviously the uh, the route market has changed significantly, certainly to where we are uh, now in two thousand and nineteen. But uh, um, yeah, we used to call that back in our superior Salesforce days. We had a number of programs and Lipton Ice. Uh, see the relaunch of Lipton Ice back in nineteen ninety nine and two thousand. Uh, we had a challenge to all the boys out there, boys and girls, and uh, it was to get a bow derrick. And uh, a number of the listeners that uh, worked uh, with me and back in those days uh, uh, certainly were able to um, be very disruptive in, in going out there and getting 10, and 10 plus a day, which, uh, as you know, Mark, is no easy feat. Um, it did, um, you know, I, again, just to, you know, from the, the backstory for, for myself, mate, uh, one of the best opportunities and certainly really was the one that allowed me to, allowed me to be able to have our roads cross was uh, I was given an opportunity by Richard Kaiser again talking through disruption um, at 24 I was given the opportunity uh, at Fruit LA uh, Australia uh, to go to Western Australia um, basically on my own it became like a bit of an own owner operator business it taught me the fundamentals of running a business even though I was working for a multinational where I was basically um, hand solo over there and um, uh, I think we had, you know, it was a million dollar turnover at the time and um, Richard backed me. Um, HR were, were not really keen again to to send a 24-year-old, uh, pack, pack, you know, pack the bags and, and go over to uh, relocate to Western Australia to grow a whole new market where Smiths were a $50 million you know, state, you know, a dominated state. So uh, over that next 18 months, uh, I, I was able to, um, I was able to, to, grow that market and 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 you know was very very lucky to uh, again be mentored by people like richard and uh, 
And at the time, uh, I was very fortunate enough to win uh, um, the Managing Directors Award from Jack DeMarco back in, 2000, um, in 1995. So uh, that really put me in the stead to take on a new charter and, and again, leave after being at Frito-Lay Arnott's for, for seven or eight years to leave the fold and, and take on a new challenge, which is where uh, you and I met uh, Mark at Spring Valley as uh, a national account manager, taking on the, the petrol convenience and the uh, the food service uh, world. And um, we definitely had uh, some good times and, and one particular disruptive time that, that I'm sure you, you, you're happy to share with the uh, the audience, mate. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, when we joined Spring Valley, you know, Spring Valley was a big company in itself. You know, for those who, you know, haven't got our vintage, yeah, it's not the same as it used to be. But Spring Valley basically had, you know, a whole door uh, in, in a 7-Eleven, you know, that showed the strength of that and its positioning in the fruit juice game. But what was fascinating to me, you know, if I look back, if you went into a 7-Eleven and there's nine doors, you know, for beverages, you know, th- you know, three of those doors would be Coca-Cola, you know, just the, the normal sugar product. You know, you might then have a door of, you know, Diet Coke. Um, you might have another door of their flavours. Schweppes and Pepsi would have a, a door. Juice would have a door. You know, sports drinks would have half. Water would have half. And at that time, we just thought that's the way it's going to be. And then what came out was, you know, in New Zealand, there was this new category that was bubbling called energy. And, and everybody in our business sort of said there's, you know, there's no way that energy is going to work uh, in Australia because, you know, why would you want an energy drink? You know, we've, people drink coffee here. And I think, you know, what, what I noticed was, you know, you led the front from the Northern region. And, and I know that from a Southern region with the national accounts, you know, we, we ended up getting, you know, V on their radar. You know, we, we trialed it and experimented in one state. It absolutely did well. We got everybody pumped up. Um, we were fortunate to sort of then ride that wave of the energy craze. And, and if you have a look at a 7-Eleven now, you know, there's probably two doors that are, have got energy drinks and, and a lot of the other categories have been diminished somewhat. So, you know, it was a category that soft drinks and, and beverages were, was right for the picking in terms of disruption. Energy came in, um, basically fulfilled a need that, that wasn't being fulfilled. And as we look, you know, 20 years down the track, energy is probably the most dynamic category that there is in beverage. So, so to be part of that, you know, from the, you know, at the start and seeing that disruptive, you know, phase go through was something that I look back you know, with fondness. And, and I know it's, it's really helped my thinking in terms of the power of experimentation, the, the power of prototyping, the power, power of being agile and just sort of starting small, letting it grow, and then getting momentum with that. So, you know, that was one great initiative, but, you know, doing that with you was, uh, you know, even makes me appreciate it even more. Yeah, it was uh, it was a funny time, wasn't it? I mean, we we got this little green can, and you know, we were asked to go and take it into all our national accounts and say, hey, this is going to be the next, you know, the biggest thing since sliced bread. And, and, and I remember the actual catch cry back then, Mark, was um, your mid-afternoon wake-up call. And, uh, um, you know, I remember sitting in front of buyers like, uh, you know, Craig Matthews, who runs Stockbox today, uh, David Parnham's back in the 7-Eleven days. And these guys just like, well, they looked at you as if to say, um, you know, Reg Johnson back in the UCB days. They just looked at you and said, what is this? You know, this is not going to work. Are you kidding yourselves? And, And to be honest with you, 
I've got to admit, I was pretty, I wasn't a hundred percent sure myself, but, uh, certainly, um, three months later, it was, a, it was a massive, uh, it was a massive launch and, uh, it was, a, it was, it was great to be part of such a disruptive, uh, you know, a disruptive, um, uh, innovation into the beverage uh, market here in Australia. And, uh, you know, that's, that's ever changing. And, and I was fortunate enough, uh, obviously, uh, we then started, went down, uh, our own roads, Mark, um, you know, from the spring Valley days, I mean, you, uh, you, you always wanted to get into marketing. That's where you did your bread and butter, but you, you were smart enough to go out there and, uh, go and get a, uh, go and get the, um, runs on the board as a sales, uh, a sales rep on the road and, and then into account management. Uh, it's funny, I, I do have a, an old saying, I'm probably going to get a few marketers offside here, but it's amazing how uh, salespeople can become marketers, but marketers generally find it very difficult to become salespeople. So uh, might have started a bit of controversy there, mate, but you do that transition pretty well. And, uh, and um, you know, from our Spring Valley days, you uh, made the decision to go back to marketing. Eh? Tell us a bit about, about that. Yeah, yeah, look, I, I think, you know, looking back, you know, sales is definitely really exciting and, you know, you've got a lot of great opportunities. You got to, you know, go to big trips overseas with customers and it was really exciting. So it was a bit of a step back, but marketing, you know, was my passion and I love the whole creativity and the, and the innovation that marketing brings to the table. And, you know, I spent a, a few years in the marketing side and I got a, I remember sitting back going, yeah, I like this marketing, but I want to go back to a big corporate. Uh, and I remember I wrote a list of the te top 10 companies that I wanted to work for. And at uh, the number one was uh, Foster's. And because, uh, you know, I, I think the alcohol industry has a lot to offer and it's a lot of fun. And that was number one. And I remember my first day on the job, uh, the managing director of the CUB, which was the beer division of Foster's. Foster's had a wine division and had a beer division. And so I had the job of being an innovation manager and the managing director at the time, he came down and said, Mark, you know, this is your first day. You know, we've been beaten up by the, the market saying that we're, we're dinosaurs and we're this big behemoth who's not agile. We've just launched a big NPD that was a big flop called Empire. Um, we need to introduce another NPD in 90 days. And again, probably, you know, continuing my tradition of being a bit naive when I start a new job um, I said yeah no worries uh, we'll have something out in 90 days um, because I, I'd sort of had the experience of doing NPD where you could turn things over quickly because I was working in small companies but and as any of those have been worked in big companies you know bureaucracy reigns you know there's all this red tape and as soon as I walked out of that office I bumped in the marketing director and he sort of said to me you know over my dead body a, a, you know, you're going to lead a team that launched something in 90 days. I'm just telling you right now. And, and I said, what do you mean? He said, well, it's just not the way we do things. You know, we've got to do research and we've got to do all sorts. We've got to jump lots of hurdles. Uh, we've got to get the business on board. And I said, look, you know, the, the, the managing director, John Murphy, said it's a bit of a mandate. So um, what was amazing about that sort of experience was because the, from the top, the leadership were all behind it. It just meant that everybody in the organisation knew that they had a part to play and within 76 days uh, we launched a, a brand called Pure Blonde you know which for a number of years was you know CB's third biggest beer uh, which was an incredible achievement by the team and the business and it just showed to me you know when leadership gets on board when they give you the confidence that you know that it doesn't matter with whether this fails we just want to see if the team can achieve you know wonderful things can happen so 
I've really looked at my marketing days, you know, with a lot of fondness. Um, I sort of, you know, I was harking back to thinking just then about, you know, what we're talking about, V, Jamie. Is that something that gave you the confidence then to, to start your own business and start very, something very different for yourself? Um, well, the, the reality was is that um, we saw a need in the market back uh, my partner uh, for, for 18 years, uh, uh, Phil Constable, uh, who's well, very well known within the industry. Um, Phil and I saw a need oh, way back uh, you know, when I was over in WA, actually, um, before I even went to Spring Valley. But uh, I think the Fruitalay job gave me the ability to understand running a, a business, an, an AOP, um, you know, really from you know, high cost uh, of operating to profit and loss to forecasting, stock forecast. It was amazing experience that it did give me at 27 the opportunity to be very disruptive once again and uh, walk away from Phil and I walked away from uh, two corporate jobs I was national account manager obviously at Spring Valley and he was uh, uh, he was the national operations manager at Free LA uh, at the time which become snack brands uh, in in that transition and uh, uh, we both walked away from corporate jobs to go and start a, a dream and that dream was superior sales force. Uh, and it was all about, you know, assisting companies to bring, you know, new products to the market, you know, uh, NPDs, um, you know, from across the food, beverage, confectionery, snack food, pharmaceutical, whatever, you know, whatever industry we, we used to have a saying that, you know, at the end of the day, you know, our guys were, uh, were, were great salespeople and, and, you know, didn't matter whether they were selling a, a, a can of Lipton iced tea or a packet of Panadol or a, a packet of uh, Tic Tacs, uh, you know, they, they, they all had the same fundamentals uh, in the selling process and they were trained that way. And, uh, mate, we, we had an amazing journey and uh, we had a little uh, little plastic table and, and the old fax machine and, and, uh, you know, and a big bloody clunky computer and, and, and we started uh, in 1999 and, and within about 12 months we went nationally and uh, the rest is really history. We uh, basically created some of the biggest disruptive uh, programs in the beverage, particularly beverage category, but certainly in, uh, in the confectionery areas and, and ice cream area on behalf of Weiss Ice Creams over, over our 18-year journey. So we, we had some really amazing programs, Mark. And what really stood out for me is that, you know, I was always in awe of your tenacity in, in building up a business that, you know, at any time I've had, you know, over 200 people on the road. Now, you had lots of great programs. But the one that stood out to me was you had probably the best sales execution business in the country in Coca-Cola. Um, you know, by, by none, their ability to get things out in the marketplace can't be challenged. But when they launched a new NPD, they didn't want to do it with their own team. They wanted to have an external par partner to do that, and they chose you guys. Can you just tell us a, a bit about that story? Because to me, having the champions of execution asking your business to do, to do their execution on their behalf says a lot about what you were doing with your team. Yeah, so um, look, it really, again, um, to me, if I take a step back and look back on it now, it was probably one of the biggest uh, sort of uh, uh, interventions uh, for our business at the time at Superior Salesforce. We were asked by, uh, actually, ironically, James Lane, who, who we'll be interviewing uh, uh, next week. Um, James uh, um, uh, 
came to us and but it was we were launching glassovitamin water um they wanted a completely different tactic uh yes they had a sales team of 600 whatever it was reps on the road and and they wanted a, a completely different go-to-market strategy they wanted a standalone team to be seen as glassovitamin water um to go out there and live and breathe vitamin water and that and that, and that's what they did we had a team of 30 34, 38 reps uh, on the road every day working on behalf of Coke. Uh, they were trained in conjunction with superior sales force techniques and Coca-Cola um, really practice. Um, and uh, it, was a, it was a really disruptive program. It was something that was very disruptive for Coke. They'd never done something like that before. It was very disruptive for us because we were being, you know, we were working very closely with the, the Coke reps and the, um, and the call center. And, uh, you know, it, it was, it was a, a program that really, if I look back on it, was uh, probably one of the most disruptive programs that I was fortunate enough to be part of. Um, we were, Mark, we were very lucky to be part of some of the, you know, some really big brands and some really big companies at the time and um, you know without a doubt uh, also up and go uh, we were uh, team up and go for, for sanitarium we we launched the up and go little breakfast uh, breakfast in a tetra pack uh, back in 2000 and I think 2004 uh, thereabouts 2005 um, where for the next uh, pretty much the next 10 years we were you know, we were the, the team out there and, and we expanded markets for them all around the country from, um, you know, schools opening up uh, transport, uh, vending. Uh, it, was a, it was an amazing journey for us uh, with Sanitarium. And, and, um, and, I, and I think the other one, which was really quite disruptive, which I look back on was, um, um, you know, Bayer and, uh, and Barocca Twist and Go. Twist and Go was a uh, a product that they brought to us um, in about 2007 and had a concept. Um, do you think this could work? We, we worked with them for the next, pretty much the next two years um, before it went live in 2009. And, and uh, up until, um, you know, uh, uh, we uh, moved on and, and, um, and um, Superior Salesforce, uh, you know, was moved on to creative activation. You know, we were still out there, uh, be, you know, beating the drum and, you know, and, and, and hitting the pavements for, um, you know, for the Barocca Twist and Go brand, which, you know, started from nothing. And I think we're, you know, when we left was about three and a half million dollar business uh, and growing. So uh, that was, that was probably um, you know, one of the highlights for us, Mark. Um, we did have a really, really long-term relationship with, with Sweeps, uh, Sweeps Beverages or Sweeps Australia. Uh, and there was some really uh, innovative and certainly some disruptive thinking there that came through with some of the management team where traditionally the broker, uh, the brokerage market represented a number of companies when they were in store. So this opened us to really become very grocery involved, um, which you mentioned, uh, you know, 200. I think we had about 250, 260 reps on the road, reps, sales reps and merchandisers around the country, you know, pretty much every day. Uh, at our height and um, you know the the team of Peter Scott and, and and Stephen Brown at the time and and certainly Chris Smith as well uh, these guys were very um, very disruptive in the way they thought and 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 we basically uh, helped take on a a third party involvement but really still you know like the these sales reps and merchandisers were seen as sweeps out in the industry. They were seen, they were a standalone 
that's all they worked on. They were involved in, you know, state meetings or in, involved in national launches and, and they really felt like they were, they were a SWEPS employee, but they were employed and had the, you know, the tenacity and the, the street skills of the superior sales models. So, uh, um, you know, that was really a, a, an amazing journey too for us. And, and one I look back on very fondly and, you know, from placing fridges to creating new markets in, you know, um, sporting channels. And yeah, it was a, it was a really, uh, a great opportunity to work with them, Mark. So yeah, that was a, a you know, superior Salesforce was very much, a, a disruptive, uh, time for me and, uh, and enjoyed a, a multitude of brands and companies from Weiss ice creams to, uh, the Panadol recall back in 2000, where we covered um, four and a half thousand pharmacies in seven days uh, and quarantined every packet of Panadol, Panadine around the country um, to, uh, you know, Lipton Iced Tea, where we, it was dead and buried and uh, re- relaunched that in uh, 2000, uh, 2000 with um, the peach and the, uh, the peach and the lemon variants. And, um, you know, that ended up becoming a $30 million brand and still very, very well entrenched in the marketplace, mate. Yeah. Cause uh, I mean, the, the one thing I've always admired from afar is that you, you seem to always embrace constraints that, you know, starting superior Salesforce, you know, it's not like you've got your whole team every day of every year, you know, you're given different projects, you're given very, you know, strenuous targets to hit, so, you know, you're always facing constraints. And, and I think that's one of the key lessons that we can all learn in terms of our own disruption sort of journey. And, you know, probably the, the constraint that I, you know, that I talked about was pure blonde. You had to be selling out in 90 days. But probably the other constraint for me um, was I really wanted the marketing team at Foster's to be the best marketing team on the planet. And um, I was fortunate enough then to, you know, speak to the CEO and, and he shared my dream. But he said but you've got no budget to work with. And, you know, I was incredibly lucky to get a guy called Tim Ovadia, who's now just got this massive global, global gig with Anheuser-Busch in, in New York. And, and he was the one person I was allowed to hire. Uh, and he really, you know, embraced it with zeal. And, you know, he worked day and night and I joined him at night time. And uh, we had this program that we presented to the leadership team. And on the first day, they basically looked at us and said, this isn't going to work. We don't want you to do it. And, we just said, look, have faith in the program. It's been well thought out by lots of people. And by the end of the week, they were, you know, some of them were crying. Some of them were high-fiving. They loved the program. And you know, we were lucky then to roll it out to all the marketers in Australia. It went so well that they asked us then to do it in Asia and, uh, and Americas and Europe. And I look back at that, and that was the time for me where I thought, this is what I want to do moving forward is you know, help people build their capability. You know, whether it be in marketing, whether it be in sales, whether it be for culture, whether it be for innovation, but just to give them the skills and the tools and the frameworks to help them become better because I firmly believe that, you know, we all talk about wanting to get more money, a bigger paycheck, but it's progress that makes us really pumped up and motivated to get to work. And if people can amp up their ability and their skills, that's where progress comes into it. That's where motivation takes off. So, you know, I, I left, you know, the great... Uh, world of fosters in 2011 and started the storytellers group which is all about helping build capability from sales and a marketing perspective um and then i remember bumping in you know to you saying look we, you know we've, we've been around we've observed each other for 25 years and you know you've got 
some great programs that you've launched. You know, I've got some capability programs. If we sort of mesh that together, wouldn't it be fantastic to join forces yeah. and, and provide some sales capability program? So it became obvious uh, that we had to, you know, working together was going to be a fantastic opportunity for both of us. Uh, myself bringing a capability lens from a sales point of view with your experience in building businesses and, and creating disruptions out in the marketplace. The fact that we could bring those stories together and work with great corporates that we have been doing uh, is something that I'm really looking forward to. So what are some of the things that, that, that you think that, you know, our partnership can bring to those out there? Well, Again, I think it's really about the disruptive mentality. Um, you know, obviously, I've got a very extensive sales background. You know, the old, you know, on the streets, hit the pavements, uh, new product launch, uh, motivating sales teams, uh, in-store process. Uh, how do we? How do we? How do we? You know, KPI our teams. What performance? led you know initiatives we need and, and mark you bring the marketing piece um you know innovation uh you know looking looking outside the box um you know challenging the status quo and i really believe that's one of the exciting things that we've been able to certainly in the last 12 months uh provide to some of our uh, our new clients and and uh, some of our past clients so uh you know with um the year unfolding uh, we've obviously got our podcast uh which is very important and, and, and going to be, again, sharing a lot of uh, great stories from some of our industry champions and, and icons. Um, you know, I can't wait to, to hear some of those and, and really, um, you know, we hopefully help some of, the, uh, some of you guys out there, some of you guys that have got teams that you're just not sure whether they're going in the right direction. Uh, they may need to be shaken up. Uh, understanding third party. Um, that's a that's a big one today. Uh, a lot of companies that are, are using third party providers, are they doing the right thing? Am I getting the right in-store time? So these are these are some of the programs and certainly workshops, uh, um, um, motor, you know, mentoring programs and disruption um, programs that we bring to these uh, clients. So Mark, um, mate, it's been an, a great uh, a great catch up. Uh, I think even a story or two that over that 25 years we uh, might not have even shared previously. But uh, uh, um, <laughs> Mark and I hopefully have, uh, you'll be okay with your lovely wife Natalie, mate. Yep, uh, she she didn't know that we went to uh, to Eddie Ed that night, but um, I did take it to Bruce in Sydney uh, uh, four or five days later. So uh, she did get lovely. You know, she she got to go, but uh, um, look uh, again. Thank you for everyone for listening. Uh, really exciting to bring this to you, and and uh, look forward to uh, bringing um, uh, Mr. James Lane, uh, uh, the former sales director uh, at uh, Coca Cola Amateur, to you next week. Thank you very much for your time.